This is not a military takeover. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. Sit yourself down, strap yourself in, as you're going to be listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, where over the course of the next hour, you'll be exposed to music that you should hear on the radio, but don't. Evening, oh. Hanoi Rocks and the whole marquee vibe of the early 1980s. Actually, I miss um, any kind of going out vibe at the moment. And from what I've been reading in the papers, pubs and clubs aren't going to be reopening until Christmas at the earliest. But as I've said before, this is all just speculation. Uh, Anyway, in uh, December 82, it seemed I was at the marquee practically every single evening. UK subs, Scarlet Pie, Twisted Sister, even Marillion were there, along with the just-heard Hanoi Rocks. And, of course, this lot, who were just playing a three-night stint, rounding off a successful few months, promoting their then-current album, Strawberries.
It seems inconceivable that a major record label would fork out tens of thousands of pounds for a band to record an album and then at the 11th hour just turn around and go, nah, and by the way, you can't have no master tapes either. Well, that is what happened, allegedly, to a Scarlet Party. EMI released two singles, put them in Abbey Road to record their debut album, even Nationwide did a piece on them, then promptly dropped them. Uh, their debut single, 101 Damn Nations, was released on the same day as the 20th anniversary of Love Me Do, the Beatles' first single for Parlophone, that was also the home to Scarlet Party, was re-released. With the lead singer and guitarist Graham Dye having a vague Lennon appearance and uh, playing the same uh, style of Rickenback guitar, this uh, seemed to be a very shrewd move. Plus, vocally, yeah, the band did have that Fab Four feel about them. I did actually pop up to Abbey Road whilst the shelved album was being recorded. Not that I knew that they were there. Uh, I was on a Beagles trip. Uh, went into reception just to see what it was like and was met by one of those old school security guards. You know the ones I mean. Ex-World War II RAF pilots. I asked who was in. He told me it was Scarlet Party. I reeled off how much I liked them, etc. To which he replied, wait here. Returning a few minutes later with a signed photo, which I still have. I didn't realise until years later, remember there was no such thing as the internet in 1982, that Mark Gilmore, their lead guitarist, is the brother of David. And EMI still binned them. Fortunately, years later, I got in contact with the uh, with drummer, Sean, who uh, had a copy of the album, which was going to be called Scholar Skies. Uh, and he kindly sent me a CDR of it, along with some post-EMI demos. Here is 101 Damnations, an unfinished version for your enjoyment. <laughs>
part of me feels no sympathy towards the suits in the record industry. Um, that thanks to MP3s, have seen the last of their cocaine snorting bottomless pit of money days. As uh, well as being able to afford to waste money on not releasing albums, record labels would sometimes, allegedly, sign a band to stop others getting their signatures, which is fair enough. But then to deliberately under-promote them in favour of another band on your roster, yeah, it's outrageous. Two bands in question, allegedly, are Guns N' Roses and Rock City Angels. Both had the looks, both you know, leather jacket and cowboy boots with a sound that mixed uh, sleaze punk and glam. Uh, had bad habits with self-destructive lead singers and uh, record contracts worth millions of dollars. Listening to both Appetite for Destruction and Young Man Blues back to back, I have to be honest and say for me, Guns N' Roses have the edge as they still make the hairs on the back of my arms stand up. Admittedly, the lack of Young Man Blues in record shops whilst Rock City Angels were touring to support it is straight out of Spinal Tap and it obviously didn't help their cause. But after all these years... I still think the right band had the right amount of success. This is your captain speaking. You're listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, whatever that is. But you'd be nuts to listen to anything else, I tell you.
Young Man Blues, I played Rumblefish, that was swiftly followed by, of course, Guns N' Roses, and It's So Easy. I got a message a few weeks ago from super producer Andy Brook, who said that uh, he'd been working on a couple of tracks with this new artist called Jayco, that's uh, J-A-E-K-O, and wondered if I'd be up for giving said songs a listen and seeing if it was B.A. could fit for this here show. Of course, I replied, you know, this is one of the reasons the Paranoid Squirrel exists, and then... Uh, yeah, I probably forgot to click the link uh, that Andy sent me. It wasn't until he messaged me again last week asking me what I thought I remembered and followed the link. Info on Jayco is uh, pretty much thin on the ground with no uh, social media profile that I could find. According to Andy, he uh, is in his late teens, early 20s, with both his parents in the music business. Uh, currently, he has four tracks on his band Zoogle page. First track, How You Living. Uh, had me going, no. Uh, it's a bit reminiscent of Limp Biscuit. Second track, Cold Heart Killer. Yeah, was yeah more up my rocking guitar-driven Boulevard of Broken Dreams video, which um, is up on YouTube. Before the third track, sometimes, yeah, it put me back in the no mood. As vocally, it came across as like, you know, I don't know, the streets. Uh, the fourth and final track, Colder Than The Sea, had me going, oh yes. Even though vocally, we're still in the streets territory. Musically... Yeah, it ticked all the right boxes, but uh, here's the thing. No self-respecting teenage musician or band should be making music that people of their parents' age would like. Elvis, for the kids. The Beatles, for the kids. Glam, for the kids. Punk, for the kids. So, if I don't like 50% of what Jayco is doing, then that's how it should be, and he's obviously on the right path.
That was Jaco and Colder Than The Sea. To commemorate Demons, don't forget the speech march, 25th anniversary as they banned a live album called No Loitering, Burned Down The Club is due to hit the real and virtual record shops for Alaska Productions next month. Uh, the gig was recorded at the Crocodile Cafe, Seattle, in March 2004. And at this time, the band was still a four-piece that comprised of Matthias Hepcat, Matt Carlson on guitar and vocals, Mickey Jacobson on drums, Stefan Johnson on guitar, and I think Muffins Brink was still on bass, but don't quote me on that. Uh, these days, the band are a threesome, with Tomoko handling bass duties to Matthias and Mickey's guitaring and drumming, respectively. Um, they released the Kiss Off album um, this time last year. I've been fortunate enough to see the band live a handful of times. Sadly, not the current lineup, though. But uh, no loitering, burn down the club, is a good way to celebrate their Silver Jubilee. I shall let Matt tell you which track from said album is going to wear. See what? This one's called... D-D-D-D-D-D-D-Generation Hotel. So on Monday, 
That was the 20th of April. Future streaming, downloading and non-Rock Radio UK listeners, LA Guns, released their brand new single, Crawl on Golden Robot Records. Now, I did mention this on episode 733 uh, as an aside. For those of you who need reminding, this version of LA Guns isn't the Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns one. Once Tracy and Phil had merged their two respective lineups into one, I thought that was it. You know, just one singular LA Guns. Turns out this isn't the case with Kelly Nichols, Steve Riley and Scotty Griffin, all one-time members of LA Guns, along with Kurt Froelich on vocals, going into the studio to record an album under the LA Guns moniker with the track Crawl, the first fruits from it. Now, it's not for me to judge who is in the right or more entitled to be sole owner of the name, but I would say this, for a set of musicians... To claim to be a band, certain criteria needs to be met. Are any of you original or classic era members? And are you legally able to call yourself by that name? But most importantly, are you going to mislead fans of the band who expect to see certain members in the lineup when playing live? Right, onto the single. Crawl is primetime 80s sleaze, and Kurt certainly can hold his head up high with nothing he has to feel he has to prove. It really, and I mean really, is well produced. It immediately had me singing along to the nananas. To it, I'm now looking forward to hearing the Renegade album from them when it's released later this year. Whether it'll be an LA Guns album remains to be seen.
na, 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 na. I think it's about time for today's Covers Corner. And kicking things off this week are the Flaming Sideburns and their take of the 13th Floor Elevator song, Reverberation, that has been in their live set on and off since the band first started. Sideburns song is available on a limited 10-inch on the 8-track compilation Sons of Chap Utua. Volume 2. Available from, believe it or not, Chapatua Records Bandcamp site for only €16. The release date uh, isn't until the 11th of May, but if I was you, I'd get a wriggle on. It says only 500 of these babies.
I was over at my local Sainsbury's Tuesday morning where I found, to my surprise, that there wasn't a queue. Unlike Tesco's that I stupidly ventured to after lunch. But what really surprised me was the music coming out of the bakery section. Black Sabbath and Symptom of the Universe. This took me back to an American diner that Mrs A and myself and uh, Mrs A's friends, Elaine, went to in Chehalis, uh, which is in uh, Washington State, in either uh, 96 or 98, where the chef was playing and singing along to Ozzy Osbourne at the top of his voice. Admittedly, we were the only three people in said diner at the time, but he seemed so happy. To be honest... I haven't listened to classic Ozzy or Sabbath for a while now. Something I must remedy. Now, I've played this before in Covers Corner. But back in my roading days, uh, when I was known as Adolf Carkeys, Deathwish on their second album, Demon Preacher, covered Symptom of the Universe. But instead of the uh, hippie trippy bit at the end, they went all thrash. Uh, which, 32 years later, uh, does sound a Odds with the uh, original song. Uh, it was great at the time. So much so, Onslaught, who never had an original idea in their lives, email me and uh, I'll run you off a long list. Actually, please don't. Uh, also covered it exactly how Deathwish had done it. At least when Sepultura did it, they did it their own way. So, rounding off this week's covered segmentation, this is Deathwish and Symptom of the Universe. <laughs>
Last time I was over at Chaputa Records Bandcamp site, I spotted a single that I immediately knew I needed. The band in question was Strang's Brew, and uh, no, I hadn't heard of them either. However, I can guarantee that you know the band members. Keith Strang from Fleshtones, Robin Erickson from the Helicopters, Mans Manson from the Maggots, and Jim Hen Han from The Solution. What do you mean you've heard of them? No one told me. Uh, just in case some of you, like me, are now chomping at the bit, the band have been together since the end of last year, and fortunately, they have a Facebook page, so I won't be missing any more information on them. Uh, they are currently recording their debut album, because Sweden has not gone into lockdown mode. Even the Diamond Dogs have been in Sunlight Studios laying down some tracks. Anyway, Strings Brew... Uh, was supposed to be supporting Red Cross in Stockholm early this month, but obviously that has been postponed until September the 26th, with me thinking, hmm, maybe I should make the trip, uh, if we actually can go to gigs by then. Anyway, enough of my talking. From the band's debut 7-inch, this is the A-side I don't need myself. <laughs> Time listener David Williams, who you may recall foolishly believed that the Yo-Yos released two albums, uh, whilst on his daily walk through his local countryside, offered 
post pictures or said side, uh, sometimes along with a screenshot of his musical accompaniment. Sometimes it just so happens to be this here radio show. Anyway, last Saturday, he tagged me in a post wondering if the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show had ever played any Jeff Paris. Simple answer was no. So I didn't really know who he was. Uh, upon investigation, he's written for Lita Ford and Y&T and even played keyboards on Cinderella's debut album. He seems very much of the 80s, you know, all stonewashed double denim. Anyway, as I miss seeing David at gigs, and it is almost Saturday, this one's for him. Until next time, take it easy. It's Saturday.